Indeed, indeed, it bears repeating. Small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical. Indeed is the number one job site on the planet. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30, 2020. Press House Coffee serves a roast to boast about. Discover coffees from around the world delivered right to your door in small batches for exceptional freshness. Get 20% off a Roaster's Choice subscription at PressHouseCoffee.com by using promo code AMR20 at checkout. Brighten your life with the new Amazon Smart Lighting Bundle, which includes an Echo Dot smart speaker and a singlet color-changing light bulb. The duo will transform your home into a connected and colorful smart home. To get 20% off your Amazon Smart Lighting Bundle, go to Amazon.com runner. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Oh, it goes. It goes well. Yes. And um, you and I are in similar boats. The um, college, is it on, is it off boat? Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so y- your son, your older child is, he's going to be a sophomore. And yes. do I need to put air quotes around the at? University of oh, Richmond? I mean, he's there. He went two oh. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, no idea. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, he really, he had up until August 5th to make up his mind. Oh. And he was really, really close to not going. Oh. Um, and then at the last second, we're kind of like, well, who could he get an apartment with? Like, we just wanted him to have some sort of a normal-ish experience after, you know, he was there all year last year. And um, but really he could find that like, there is literally no one in his home friend group who didn't go back. There's literally no one in his Richmond friend group who didn't go back. And so at the end of the day, he's kind of like, yeah, I think I'll be really bummed and depressed if I'm the only one home, you know, and then, and then if things like we were just going under the assumption that this wasn't going to work, everyone's going to get sent home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to date, they've only had seven cases or something. Wow. Like Richmond. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's too early. Like they're all going to, I've got to think they're college students. They're all going to get complacent and sooner or later it's all going to blow up. But I, mm-hmm. I just don't know. It's hard to know. Do, uh, not to cast aspersion, but did they have a Greek system at University of Richmond? Yes. Um, but it is, they don't have their houses off campus. So it's easier for them to kind of stay on top of the Greek system. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Adam, like the first couple of days that he was down there, he was like, yeah, there's great parties left and right. And so he was not feeling very, um, confident that it would last long, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I mean, maybe just some of the smaller universities can manage it better than the larger ones, but I don't know. Notre Dame doesn't really <laughs> fall into that category. So I, I just don't know. It's, it's tough to know. Wow. Wow. Particularly it being in a city, you know, I, I, th- um, like I have my best friend's daughter is starting her freshman year at Bard College, which is in Annandale on Hudson, New York. So kind of a um, little burg of a town. And uh, so I can see schools like that. It's kind of easier to be cloistered. But, you know, Richmond, it's got an airport. It's it's a city. I know. I know. I know. It's it's just, I just don't know. It'll be really interesting when it's all said and done. I'm sure there are all kinds of people already looking into, you know, what, what formulas are working and which ones aren't, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm glad that's not my job. 
Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, we need to hear about Phoebe. What's her situation? So, yeah. So Phoebe, my older daughter, she decided that kind of a tradition, what I deem a traditional college experience is not for her. So she is going to be a student uh, at, and that does have air quotes, Portland State University. Okay. Which is all online. And so that's downtown Portland, the you know, city we live in. And she just didn't have any interest in kind of going away to a, you know, place that's kind of off by itself or anything like that. And, or that has even, it seems most of their classes are later in the day. That's Augie saying hello. Um, so, because a lot of their students work. So, yeah, so Portland State is going to, they're doing all their classes online. So until they switch to in-person learning, she's going to be living at home. And then once classes start in person, the plan is for her and a friend to get an apartment in town. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is going to work as a nanny part-time, which is what she currently does. And she, but she's her, the family that she works for, which um, the current family she works for has a six-year-old and three-year-old boy-girl twins, otherwise known as a total handful. Uh, Yes. uh, um, So I helped her find a new nanny gig that she'll start in October for a 14-month-old baby. Um, Yeah, so the the workload will be substantially less. And Phoebe loves, loves babies. So um, it's a family, it's walking distance, family's walking distance. And they have a um, three and a half year old who's in preschool. So I think one day a week, she'll take care of both the girls. But um, yeah, so, but every uh, Monday through Friday, she'll work nine to 12 and then she'll have classes later in the day. And only, um, yeah, uh, yes. Sounds like a great deal. I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, I I just think, Honestly, the people are staying home. It's the wise move. I mean, the odds are just not in everyone else's favor, I don't think. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I also, you know, and, and it, you know, I had to um, let go of some stuff, you know, for what my expectations for college are and that it's her life. And if she doesn't want to go to, you know, kind of this sequestered type place, you know, that, that, that where it's all just about academia and a big quad and, you know, big dorms and all that stuff. Um, that's her choice. And she's super interested in, um, uh, you know, early childhood development and um, family stuff. And so Portland State has a very strong program with that. So the fact that she's able to combine classes with that with actual practical experience you know, I'm all, I'm all for it. And, and why am I going to press my will upon her and, and have it be a whole big financial burden on our family? Absolutely. Like, hey, hey you want to go to Portland State that doesn't cost very much? Right, what, right on. Yes, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you want to partially pay for some of your, your costs of living? That's awesome. Again, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Great job, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so those classes don't start until the end of September. And um, she had also, I think you know this, Amanda, but I didn't share it widely. She went to online school for her last two years of high school. So she's very acclimated and comfortable with online learning. 
Yeah, that's a great thing. She was yeah. she was very uh, prophetic in that, wasn't she? <laughs> she was. That's so funny because on I I did um quote unquote force her to do um kind of you know what do you even call those senior announcement cards you know the right yes and so i part the little message on the back part of it was um and she's psychic she spent her last two years doing oh, online great. school <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so <laughs> um so uh so and have you been busy with work lately I have. I've had, I've had a really, really busy summer, which is fantastic. Great. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly what I need to be doing. So yeah, it's funny because um, I um, am doing a four-part series right now for triathlete on um, aging athletes. So, oh. so that's kind of fun, especially, you know, I, I maybe because it's my demographic, but um, <laughs> I, I feel like there's not enough ink de- devoted, you know, to those issues. So, um, so it's kind of fun to, to be able to have a, a four piece, you know, nice series on that. Yeah. 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 And maybe you'll find some experts that I need to, you and I need to talk to on the podcast. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because, <laughs> because um, I like to follow the Amanda Loudon, um, you know, crumb trail to find things, to find guests on the podcast, which is how <laughs> found today's guest. You wrote um, a profile, as you know, for Sufferfest beer, which is, a, was a supporter of this podcast earlier this year. They have a website, that has some good content on it and that's where found a profile that you did of Sika Henry um she's a 36 year old Virginia-based triathlete she's in pursuit of becoming the first black female pro triathlete in the U.S. and after this break we'll talk with Sika about her quest to get her pro card what a pro card is um how she juggles a full-time job and high-level training what she's doing now that there are no races on the calendar and what it's like to be black in the lily white sport of triathlon stay with us Being efficient. Whether on the road or in the work world, you can go further if you're efficient. This is especially true when hiring for your small business or getting rehired. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site on the planet because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. That's clutch. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73, 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for more than 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AMR. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash AMR. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com slash AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30, 2020. While we can't travel internationally, thanks to Press House Coffee, we can discover great coffees from around the world. With each steaming mug, you can venture to Costa Rica, Indonesia, Mexico, Ethiopia, and beyond. Get the single-origin coffees that Press House head roaster, Powell, is most excited about, shipped within 72 hours of roasting for peak freshness. Powell purposely sources a wide variety of single-origin coffees and roasts each bean in small batches to showcase everything coffee is capable of. As you may, or may not, know, geography plays a key role in the flavor profiles of coffee. Come on, I live in Portland. You basically can't move here unless you know about coffee. For instance, Karuda State Peaberry hails from Tanzania. 
Turns out, Tanzanian peaberries are citrusy sweet with a crisp body and clean finish, making for a lively cuppa. When you open a bag of Kocheri Woreda Natural from Ethiopia, it's immediately apparent that it's the base for the Press House Blueberry Muffin Blend as a vibrant blueberry aroma fills your nostrils. It's heavenly. The current favorite single origin in our house is Ulos Batak from Indonesia, with its bright notes of blood orange and fresh herbs made more serious with hints of molasses. Like I said, Portlanders can talk about coffee. Let Press House know about your favorites, and they'll curate future selections to make sure you love each bag. Get 20% off a Roaster's Choice subscription at PressHouseCoffee.com with promo code AMR20 at checkout. That's PressHouseCoffee.com, code AMR20. PressHouseCoffee.com, code AMR20. And cheers. Few things irk me more than my family members leaving the lights on. Yet by the end of the day, I'm too dang tired to walk around and turn them all off. Enter the Amazon Smart Lighting Bundle, which includes an Echo Dot smart speaker and a singlet color-changing light bulb that's connected to Alexa, which can turn your home into a smart home within minutes. The setup is simple. Just connect your new smart bulb to the Echo Dot and you're all set. Then you can control the lights in your home with the sound of your voice. Just say, Alexa, turn on the lights. Or in my case, Alexa, turn off the lights. You can even get fancy like my husband Jack, who set lighting routines to gently wake him up in time for his morning walk. And our teens have been having a blast with the singlet color-changing light bulb. It supposedly has more than 16 million options to choose from. They haven't turned on that many yet, but they must be getting close. It's a silly, fun endeavor that keeps them laughing, which is all a mom wants these days, right? Right now, you can get 20% off your Amazon Smart Lighting Bundle only at Amazon.com runner. Every bundle includes an Echo Dot smart speaker and a singlet color-changing light bulb. That's Amazon perhaps you've heard of it, dot com slash runner to get 20% off and take advantage of this amazing smart home deal. Amazon.com slash runner. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Sika. We know you just jumped from work to the podcast, so we really appreciate you making the time. Of course. I'm happy to be on. Okay, Sika, so you're often referred to as a triple threat in triathlon because of your strength in each of the three disciplines swimming, cycling, and running. So recount your athletic history for us and what brought you into multi-sport. Okay, I definitely would not consider myself a triple threat. (laughs) (laughs) I am a terrible swimmer. I usually get out the water last (laughs) and then I have to ride my way through the fields. And then I would say my strength is the run. So that's what gets me on the podium. Um, But in terms of my athletic background, I actually, although I just mentioned how poor swimming skills I have. Um, I grew up swimming and I swam for high school, my high school four years, um, but not for club, just my high school. So that's probably why I'm not as good as everybody else. Um, So I swam in high school and then I was a little burned out. I wanted to try a new sport. And uh, the track coach saw me in gym class one day, just playing around, playing basketball. And he saw that I could leap pretty high and he talked me into coming out for the track team. And he thought I could be a pretty decent high jumper. And I want to say, like, the first time I jumped, I cleared 5'2", which, I mean, wow. it's not crazy high, but as a high schooler who's never jumped before, it's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So I did track uh, my outdoor season of my senior year of high school. And at this point, I had already gotten into Tufts University. 
So I contacted the coach there kind of on a whim and I wanted to see if I could walk on the team. And I ended up doing track and field all four years of college. So primarily as a high jumper, but I did sprints as well, 200, 400 and went to NCAAs on the four by four relay and stuff like that. But um, I hated distance. So I literally would not run like over a mile. (laughs) (laughs) I I did not. I thought that the mile was a long distance event. Um, And then after college, I took a job in uh, the financial district in Manhattan, New York, working crazy, crazy hours like most people and got a little lazy. Um, But, you know, running is pretty big out there and the New York City Marathon and all that stuff. So kind of had on my bucket list that I was going to do a marathon. And I did my first marathon in 2007, I want to say, or maybe 2008. I can't even remember now. It's been so long, but it was just dreadful. It was a horrible experience. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad. I was not prepared for it. I'd never done a half marathon before. And it was the Atlantic City Marathon. I ended up just like puking and walking and by mile 17. It was, it was, it was terrible. Um, I called my best friend was there. Um, at the race I stopped literally in the middle of the race asked the spectator if I could use her cell phone <laughs> called my friend because I wanted her to pick me up and take me away <laughs> she didn't answer so I had to finish and I think somehow I managed to get like three hours and 57 minutes or something oh through all that so uh yeah but I never did another one <laughs> for like seven years that's so great yeah oh my gosh and do you still uh curse your friend for not answering her phone on that no you know that experience has made all of my other races more pleasant because i'm like it can't get any worse than that and it hasn't it hasn't been any worse than that (laughs) (laughs) wow wow so okay so you um yeah i'll i'll um brag for you since you didn't so then that second marathon that you did you mm-hmm. won, you won yes. it in a time of 3.11. So you, you know, yeah. caught up uh, about 45 minutes or so. So mm-hmm. that, that's not the, not the common trajectory for, uh, you know, newbie or marathons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was actually quite shocking. I wasn't expecting it at all. And um, I want to say at like mile 23, I had the bike, the female bike lead pacer in front of me. And I'm like looking around, like, are you pacing me? <laughs> like, am I in first? And they're like, yeah, yeah, keep going. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, oh my God, it's awesome. So yeah, that completely changed things for me. It boosted my confidence. And um, I would say that training for my first triathlon is what made all the difference in the world for me dropping so much time. Um, I don't think I'll ever be a high mileage runner. I think that I'm somebody who benefits a lot from cross training. Um, I think the swimming and the biking helped a ton. Like I literally went from running, like struggling to get under 20 minutes in a 5k to training for triathlon and then literally running like an 18 minute 5k. Wow. It was that quick. Yeah. Huh. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Wow. Yeah. So um, you had a very serious bike accident um, in mm-hmm. spring of 2019. So mm-hmm. tell us about that and how you came back from that. Yeah, so that was last year. Uh, it's crazy how much has happened since then. Um, so I was trying to get my pro card last year, and I was pretty much getting faster every half Ironman that I was doing. Um, so in 2018, 
I missed it. I did Ironman 70.3 Eagle Man, which is just a hot, brutal race. Um, and I think I missed getting my pro card there by about 10 minutes, but I had the fastest female amateur run split. So that got me on the podium. Wow. And then hey. I dropped even more time. I want to say I did Ironman 70.3 Atlantic City also that year in 2018. And again, I had terrible swim, but my bike got a lot better. And then I finally broke 130 and a half. Um, half marathon run in that half Ironman. Um, so yeah, my times are just getting significantly faster. So I thought 2019 was going to be my year. Um, I flew down to Texas to do Ironman 70.3 Texas. And it was an age group wave start. And unfortunately, I was one of the last waves to go off. So there were literally thousands of people on the course already. Um, you know, some newbies, some people on mountain bikes. And mm. it's not like road races where the fastest people start first and you're like, you know, you go in waves, um, you know, fastest is slowest. This is just you're assigned a wave and then that's when you have to go off. So, you know, I got on my bike. I was going, I was flying. I was going over 25 miles per hour. And unfortunately, I was behind so many people. And um, yeah, you ride on the right. You, people pass on the left and the person in front of me didn't bother to look when they went to pass mm. um, somebody in front of them and I swerved to avoid them I hit a, pretty much a barricade in the middle of the road um, that was keeping us off away from traffic um, I don't remember much I woke up hours later in the hospital I had you know fractured my nose I completely lacerated my face I had about 40 stitches to my face um, I you know, my teeth were loose. I had, like fractured the, the bones in my mouth that helped hold the teeth in place. And mm. it was really, really traumatic. Um, yeah, I just woke up. I thought I'd been in a car accident. So wow. yeah, last year for me was all about really recovering, coming back from that. Mm. Mm. And, and you came back in, um, in fine fashion. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, five five months later, you were completing your first full Ironman, and that was the World Championships in Kona. So, tell mm -hmm. us what that was like, um, especially when you you crossed that finish line, and 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 legendary announcer Mike Rowley said, "You know, Sika Henry, you are an Ironman." What was that like? Yeah, it was. It was one of the most uh, emotional moments, I would say, in my athletic career if you want to call it a career <laughs> um just because I've been through so much last year you know when I woke up from that crash I couldn't even move my head like I couldn't move my neck I, so I couldn't swim I got infections from the road rash and mm. everything was just taking my life was just it felt like it had no direction some days I was really just going from uh, doctor appointment to doctor appointment. It was mentally and physically draining. And it's strange to go from being the most fit you've ever been in your life one moment and then waking up and just losing everything pretty much. So um, those months back, I wasn't sure what type of shape I was going to be in. But I would say a few days after that crash, um, I set a goal of competing at Ironman 70.3 Augusta, which was in September of last year. So that was my goal. It wasn't even Kona. It was really, can I make it through a half marathon, half Ironman first? Um, so yeah, I spent the summer really focusing on that. And I was like, if I can get through that race, then I'll definitely fly to Kona. And um, yeah, shockingly, I did Augusta two weeks before Kona and wow. um, I PR'd there and I... Um, 
you have to come in top three to get your pro card as an amateur there. And I came in six, so I missed it by like three minutes. But I think that race set me up for Kona. Um, it boosted my confidence. And yeah, I felt like I could tackle Kona. And man, that race is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> the Ironman World Championships is just everything that you can imagine but in terms of difficulty. It, like the, the heat, the unrelentingness of the, that flat, um, what was that, Queen, whatever. Hey, highway. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just the wind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got knocked off my bike, actually, um, about wow. 40 miles into the bike ride. That's how strong the crosswinds are. Wow. You know, people say, oh, it's windy. And you're like, okay, okay, I've rode in wind before. No, this is completely different. <laughs> like, even going down, um, when you climb up to a V and you turn around, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to have downhill wind on my back. And somehow it's like the wind changes and you have <laughs> the wind in your face and you're pedaling hard just to get down the hill. It's, it's insane. And then, yeah, the heat, um, when you finally get off the bike and you get on the run course, you know, you're kind of pumped, you're in town, you're on a leaky drive and you have all these fans and spectators, but you're only on there for a few miles. And then you have to run out to the lava fields in the Queen K and it's just desolate. You know, spectators really aren't allowed up there. It's just aid stations. And you're just focusing on putting one foot in front of the other and just, you know, trying to get through a marathon. <laughs> yeah. And no shade, right? No, not, not, no shade anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. And the heat is just like radiating off the, yeah, the, the black back. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's like being, having to run on a... I don't know, like an airplane landing strip, but it just goes on for like 26 miles. And it's not flat. People think that for whatever reason, Kona is mostly flat. It's really hilly. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. So Sika, you alluded to um, getting your pro card. Could, for people who don't know, could you um, talk about what, what, like what the deal is with a pro card? I mean, this isn't like, yeah, just tell us what pro card is, how you get one. Sure. So in triathlon, you have to qualify to race in the professional field. Mm-hmm. Um, and each country has their you know own federation and set of rules. So for us, it's guided by USA Triathlon. They make up the rules of how you get your pro card. And there are a few ways, and you can find them on the USA Triathlon website. Um, but for me, since I raced the Ironman 70.3 distance, um, my goal to qualify for my pro card was to... Um, come in the top three amateur mm-hmm. uh, female overall. Um, so if you come in top three at a qualifying race like Augusta or Eagle Man or a race like that where there's a pro field and there's a prize purse, if you come in top three there, then you qualify. Mm-hmm. And then you qualified for Kona, is that right? Because you... Uh, no, um, I got to, I was able to compete in Kona because I am, uh, sponsored by Hoka oh, uh-huh. and they are one of the major sponsors at the Ironman world championship. So they get a slot to give to an athlete and, um, they have been chronicling my story, them and Ironman about my comeback and my crash. So they extended the invitation and, you know, I actually didn't accept right away. I mm. had to sleep on it and talk to my parents and stuff. Um, one, I felt really guilty kind of just being given a spot when I know how hard so many people train to get there to qualify for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to earn my way there. And then, you know, and of course, with my family, they were 
scared pretty much after my whole crash experience and coming back. So it wasn't something that I accepted immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh, huh. So, so one thing I neglected to mention in the intro is that you have a full-time job as a customer yeah. analyst for Ferguson Enterprises in Newport News. I, you didn't need a pro card to do that, but you know, I assume it's very demanding. Um, so, yeah. so, um, and you're known to train twice a day, every day. So mm-hmm. um, us overloaded mother runners, we got to hear how you get all your workouts in. Um, I'm not a mother. I don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's still, yeah, I mean, your job. Yeah, no, yeah. you got, you've got a tough schedule though. <laughs> I do. And I joke around that during the season, I'm a zombie. Like mm. I'm just so tired all the time. I don't know how other people do it. Mm. Um, I think when you're trying to get your pro card, you're legitimately competing against other women who are at that level. Mm. So you're training like a professional already. Um, you're just, you know, you're out there riding five hours on Saturday, getting off the bike and running on Sunday, you have a long run, you know, 14 miles and then easy spin on the bike. So even the weekends are loaded. Um, but for me, I've always been really just, um, organized. Um, I've always had a lot of things going on. So I think I'm just used to multitasking. If I don't have things going on, it's weird. Um, which is probably why I'm struggling right now with COVID. I'm like, there's no races or anything to train for. It's just so weird. Like way too much time on my hands. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, you're working from home, are you? I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky that I still have my job. Um, but yeah, as soon as everything began to close down, I guess that was March. Um, I set up and I've just been working from home now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But typically when you, during quote unquote normal times, I mean, mm-hmm. what time were you waking up? What time, you know, did you do it um, before and after work on your lunch hour? How'd you yep. slot it in? Um, so I am lucky enough at my job, we have showers in a locker room. So on my lunch break, I would do my first workout of the day, which was either um, a bike or a run. Um, or even someday to swim. So it was one of the three. And then I would eat my lunch at my desk. And then after work, I would do my second workout um, of the day, which was mm-hmm. swim, bike or run. Um, in the mornings, I got into weight training, uh, strength conditioning mm-hmm. a couple days a week. So I would do that before work. So I guess technically I was training sometimes up to three days. I mean, up to three times a day. Oh my goodness. I know. know. And questioning why am I doing this? There are so many times after work, I drive to the pool and I just sit in the parking lot and I call my dad. I'm like, I don't want to go in. Like, I'm tired. I just want to go home. But he's like, come on, you know, you can do it. If it was easy, everybody would be doing this. So that's what I would just tell myself. I'm like, okay, if it was easy, everybody would do this. That, that that's uh, I think we all need to write that down and maybe pull that line out a couple times. Um, so, but but you know you're you're 36. Um, so mm-hmm. you know you're not a you're not a 23 year old. Um, you know I'm thinking you need some recovery and self care. Like, what do you do for that? Yeah, that's um, gotten increasingly important over the years, especially I would say over this past year, recovering from um, my injuries from that crash. Um, I partnered with a few companies who really came on board, I would say, because of my crash, they found out about me. So, you know, I use things like um, Speedhound has the uh, recovery boots. Mm. Um, 
kind of similar to Normatec. Um, so I use those, especially after my long runs. Um, I stretch religiously. If I don't stretch, I'm going to get injured. <laughs> so I get tight so easily. So I stretch after every workout. Um, I have also partnered with Adaday. Um, so I use their massage gun. Oh. Um, those have also gotten really popular in the markets. And then um, I cook from home. I would say, you know, diet's really important. And diet, not like restriction, but just mm-hmm. eating, you know, healthy um, whole foods and stuff. Um, so yeah, I cook from, I cook my meals, um, every day pretty much. Maybe on the weekends I pig out a little bit mm-hmm. and yeah, that's about it. I don't think I do anything, um, anything special. Um, another thing that I did start incorporating, um, was, <laughs> this is a little weird, but human sound technology. Um, there's oh. this company there, it's spelled H U S O also. Um, and I use that to unwind and relax at night. They have uh, different settings. It's, it's human sound pretty much. And it's actually really relaxing. You can kind of zone out. So um, mentally, I use that. So is that like AMSR or no? What's that mean? Oh, um, gosh, Alex needs to chime in because he knows what it stands for. But it, it's like human noise is like chewing or crinkling paper or like... Um, no, it's almost like, um, a hum, but there are different settings and, um, there are vibrating pads that you put on your pressure points. Um, yeah, I'll have to, I should post about it more. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, when I first, when I first introduced me to it, I was like, uh, it looks like a gimmick. And then I tried it cause I have trouble keeping still. Um, but then I tried it and I really zoned out. There's like these 20 to 30 minute programs and it's pretty cool. Wow. Wow. And, and how much sleep a night do you typically get? Um, a lot. I, if I don't set my alarm, <laughs> I will sleep into like 10 or 11. It's terrible. <laughs> I can sleep so I can just sleep and sleep and sleep. So I try to get to bed 10, 1030 at the latest. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, now with COVID, I don't get up to like 730 and then I log in at work. But before that, I was getting up at uh, 530. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you can get your pro card and sleep because I, I have yeah. one. I have it's doable. I have one. You can do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm ridiculous. Like you know, my mom will call and she's like, "Is everything okay?" I tried calling you at like 10 a.m. and you didn't answer. It's like on a Saturday. I'm like, "Yeah, I was sleeping." <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good skill to have, um, yeah. athlete. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Tell us then about your pursuit to become the first black professional, female, sorry, professional triathlete um, in the country. And, and well, we already talked about the, the pro card. So, um, and then let's talk a little bit about how, you know, the pandemic has kind of, um, you know, halted things for the moment for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people don't know, uh, triathlon is not diverse. <laughs> the sport is predominantly Caucasian males. Um, I want to say it's probably what, like 70% men, 30% oh. women, oh. if I'm being fair, it might even be worse than that. Wow. Um, and then in terms of African Americans, which I am an African American woman, uh, there are only 0.5% of us that make up the sport. And I noticed really early on the lack of diversity when I would show up to races, especially the longer the distance, um, especially I get half Ironmans. Um, so yeah, I, Diversity has always been really something important to me. Um, 
And the more I kind of dug into the reasons why there's such lack of diversity, um, such as swimming, um, I think the exact statistic they say now is 64% of African-Americans lack basic swimming skills. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, swimming's the first leg of a triathlon. So that's part of the reason why you see so few of us. And of course, you know, other barriers to entry, like um, how expensive it is, the equipment, um, the cost to actually race, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. So, and most of, I would say, my family and everything they hadn't even heard of triathlon until <laughs> I got into it it's not really you know but it's not basketball or football or you know popular spectator sport so um most African-Americans I would say aren't that familiar with it mm. um but yeah so I looked into it and uh when I first started there were no there had never been a professional African-American pro triathlete. Um, eventually Max Fennell got his pro card. So he was the first and he's male. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, Oh, no females have ever qualified for their pro card. I was like, that'd be pretty cool if it happened. So okay. yeah, I would say I'm more so chasing my pro card just to turn pro. Mm -hmm. um, and if that were to happen and I was the first, that would be really cool. But um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice, nice. Now you've already, um, I, I, you know, a few times already your, your family has popped into the conversation and um, just from following you on Instagram, I mean, you, you definitely seem to have a very tight family and they seem to be a real pillar of support for you. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I'm extraordinarily close to my family. Um, unfortunately, we don't live near each other. They live right outside of New York City and I live in Hampton Roads, closer to Virginia Beach. So we make a lot of my races, we kind of turn them into vacations. Mm. Um, you know, like, well, we always plan to meet up at races and they support me and stuff. And then, you know, a few days after the race, we'll just hang out. And like my dad, he flew out to Kona to cheer me on in Hawaii. And then you know, we uh, made a little vacation out of it uh, a couple of days later. But yeah, they're my everything. They're just super supportive. If I didn't have them, there's no way I could do this. Um, even after my crash, um, they were never like, no, don't, we don't want you back on a bike. Don't do this. They are always just supportive of whatever decisions I make. So, um, yeah, I am actually going to see them tomorrow. <laughs> I'm driving up to New Jersey. It's going to be, it's my mom's birthday. So we also try to get together on birthdays and stuff, but, um, yeah, their support means a lot to me and having them in all my races cheering, you know, all over the course and stuff. It's awesome. It's fun. Mm, that's, that's so great. That's so great. So, so back to the, um, inequality in the sport. So you talked about, um, the, you know, that the not being able to swim is a big impediment to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what would you like to see done to combat that impediment? I mean, what, what do you feel you could possibly do or mm -hmm. organizations? Um, I know you're a member of, um, was it the black triathlon association? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I am a member of black triathlon association. Um, I partnered with black kids swimming, this year. Um, that's a great organization and you can donate online. Uh, it's called Black Kid Swimming. Mm -hmm. And um, they have a lot of resources on their page, um, coaches, um, access to swim facilities and stuff like that. So I think it's um, making things available, um, ha having easier access to resources like that. And I feel like it's improving a lot actually since when I first 
I did my first triathlon, I want to say in 2013. Mm-hmm. So to see so many of these groups, you know, springing up and the support that they're receiving now over the past few years has been great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I have friends who've gotten their certification now and they, you know, coach kids for free and teach them some lessons and stuff like that. So just making it more affordable and more accessible is I think the key. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, going beyond, um, you know, swimming, I mean, any other areas that that you hope to um, kind of bring the sport um, to black athletes or bring black athletes into the sport, anything else that that's on your, um, that you're thinking about or or that you've already done um, in that regard? Uh, well, before COVID, I was speaking at um, schools in the inner cities, um, elementary schools, actually. I'd never spoken to kids that young. I've <laughs> actually spoken on college campuses before, telling my story and talking about triathlon and diversity and everything. But it wasn't until I spoke to elementary school kids that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Um, but they were great. They were phenomenal. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I have to ask, what, what was scary? I mean, were they like, you know, shooting spitballs well, at you? Or oh, like, no, what? They were, no, no, they were awesome. They were just, I was, you know, I wasn't expecting them just to be so young. Like I was standing in the auditorium <laughs> waiting for them to walk in. All of a sudden, you know, they're in an assembly line walking in and it's just all these tiny itty bitty bodies. And I'm like, oh my God, these kids are so young. Are they going to even understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I had to actually on a whim kind of switch what I was going to say instead of saying like, the tri- triathlon is three disciplines. I had to say, you know, triathlon is three sports and explain mm-hmm. swim, bike, run, explain the distance. Um, you know, I can't say 10 K they're like, what's mm-hmm. a 10 K. So you mm-hmm. have to explain, you know, mileage and track top, talk, talk and stuff like that. So, you know, actually bring in your helmet and bring in a bike so they can see what that looks like in a wetsuit. And, you know, they're like, you know, they see a wetsuit. They're like, what is that thing? So um, it was, I had to learn how to explain things differently because they were so young. When you talk to an adult, they're somewhat familiar. They might've even seen, you know, Kona on NBC, mm-hmm. but you know, these little like seven-year-old kids, <laughs> you know, you're like, you got to make sure they understand what you're talking about, but they were adorable. You know, I even showed them my crash photos and they thought that was the coolest thing ever. And they showed me their boo-boos from when they fell off the bike. So, you know, they could relate. And it's the weird thing is um, the number one question they asked me was, well, how long did it take you to heal? Mm-hmm. They didn't want to know other random stuff, but they wanted to know how long it took me to heal. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, um, you know, you've alluded to that your training is, is different now, you know, your work cycles, different, everything, you know, and the pandemic Mm -hmm. has certainly put, um, racing on hold triathlons included. So I know that you set your sights on running your first ultra marathon. You're going to do a 50 K, even though you say you don't like running long distances. Um, 50k <laughs> is a long distance, but uh, <laughs> oh no, I love it now. Running's my oh. favorite thing now. <laughs> oh good, okay, okay. And so that, um, so but then you you just you found out recently that that trail race is canceled. So you know, like, yeah. what's, what's lighting your fire these days? Well, I just found that out this week. That was mm-hmm. lighting my fire. Um, mm-hmm. Having races on the schedule is what keeps me motivated. So this has been difficult for me. I'm not even going to pretend that it hasn't been. Um, I have some friends that are awesome about just motivating themselves to keep training like a mad person, even though they don't have a race on the schedule. But I am not like that. Um, it's hard for me to put myself in that type of pain, you mm-hmm. know, pushing like crazy watts on a bike for 
nothing really, mm-hmm. you know, like when I'm training that hard or I'm about to pass out on the track or, you know, I don't want to do that 20th rep, hundred meter rep in the pool. What gets me through it is, okay, this is just making, this is getting you one step closer to a higher place on the podium or, you know, a faster time or qualifying for something. So with that taken away, it's, it's been difficult. And I was excited when I saw that the ultra was going to happen. I was like, okay, new distance, something fun to focus on. Um, yeah. So now I have decided that I'm still going to run a 50 K mm. <laughs> that weekend wow. um, where I'm going to do it. I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out the logistics of that. Cause I'm going to need support. So I'll either go home to New Jersey and my parents will crew for me, or I'm going to do it out here and talk some of my friends into like setting up aid stations. But um, yeah, so my coach and I have actually decided that we're going to just keep training through it as if I'm going to run a 50 K. Nice. Yeah. Well, I got to say, so my best friend here in Portland, um, she has three daughters and her oldest one is maybe she's 24. I think she's 24. She is running basically a 50K this weekend. It's on the Wildwood Trail. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the, I think the longest um, trail in an urban setting in the US. And um, okay. so Molly's going over there to support her daughter. And obviously, I'm not equating what you will do to what her daughter's doing, but in terms of like a self-supported 50 K. So um, yeah, people, people are doing it. Um, yeah. You'll have to let me know how it goes. Maybe yeah. I'll try to rep- copy what she's doing to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just was texting Molly last night. Like we were planning our workouts for the weekend. She's like, well, on Saturday I have to support Lane and her 50 K. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Mom gets recruited <laughs> into that. That's, that's good. I'm thinking, I hope there's other people. Otherwise that's going to Molly will be getting a workout of her own, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, good. And when is that going to, what's that weekend? When's uh, it would be October 10th. Oh, so it's soon. Yes, it is. And I've been running and doing all these 20 milers. And <laughs> even when we had the hurricane going on out here, it was like, uh, should I go out in that rain? I'm like, all right, I got to get through this just to get to the 50k. And then of course it gets canceled. So I was uh-huh. running in all sorts of conditions, but yeah, it is right around the corner. Wow. And are you training on trail or? Um, well I was, but <laughs> I'm thinking if so, if I do it in New Jersey, I won't do it on trail. I'm oh. probably going to end up doing it on the roads or pavement or something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Which honestly, I think I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> the trails here and stuff they're kind of hilly and I fall I'm really clumsy especially as a right like if I do a 20 miler on a trail I gar- I'm guaranteed to fall a few times after mile 15 or 16 my legs just don't cooperate so exactly. it's probably better that I do it on the roads uh-huh. that's so funny because for I mean so many women in the another mother runner community step up to ultras and and so of course I'm like oh I've done a lot of marathons maybe I should do an ultra and I was like but I want to do it on the road like mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, that's not a popular way of thinking and and Amanda she's probably shaking her head because she's a big trail runner so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no if I had my choice I'd do it on the road so my coach is crazy he was like or oh, maybe we can switch it and we can do a marathon and you run it on the track and I'm like, oh, oh. no, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. One of his athletes run a half marathon on the track, and I thought that was crazy. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of banked curves. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ye
Wow. Wow. Well, now that, now that I know that you're an afternoon um, exerciser, we got to let you go. Cause, cause you got to get a workout in or something. So thank, mm-hmm. yep. th- thank you for t- pressing pause in your schedule. Seek it to talk with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It was fun chatting with you guys. Nice Bye-bye. to catch up again. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, at the end of last week's episode, I told you we were launching Love the Run You're With Junior 2.0, a six-week program of fun fitness-boosting sessions every day for kids ages 4 to 12. I spoke to the coach who will be organizing it. She's writing up the plan for us, Liz Waterstrott, who's our um, heart rate and triathlon coach, one of two. And so she and I had a really fun conversation just kind of plotting out what the um, themes of each day will be and Oh, she's putting a lot of energy and heart and joy into it. So, and we're envisioning junior is a stand-in for PE classes for kids doing distance learning, which unfortunately there are too many of. So um, yes, registration opens next week and you can find all that at trainlikeamother.club and you'll find it by clicking on the menu hamburger on the top left corner and clicking on virtual races Again, that's at trainlikeamother.club. We guarantee your kiddos will have a good time and will, well, love the program. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm-hmm.